We're going to look at some of the latest cars that have come out so far this year. This is AutoLine. To know this business, you really have to know the product, and that's what today's show is all about. In today's show, we'll be reviewing the latest hybrids that have hit the market. Amazingly, there are about six new hybrids that have come out so far this year. And then, at the opposite end of the spectrum, there are fast and powerful luxury cars that are showing up in showrooms. So, will the hybrids really sell? And do these luxury cars have a chance in today's down-in-the-dumps market? Well, to discuss all these products and to get to the bottom of those questions, I'll be joined today by three experts who have been in these cars. Eddie Alterman is the editor of Car and Driver magazine. Stephanie Brindley is with the automotive consulting firm Auto Pacific. And Frank Marcus is the technical editor of Motor Trend magazine. If you want to get quickly up to speed with some of the top new cars that have come out so far this year, stay where you are. We'll be back right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion all about the new vehicles that have come out so far in 2009. And joining us for this discussion this morning is Frank Marcus from Motor Trend, Eddie Alterman with Car and Driver, and Stephanie Brinley with Auto Pacific. Frank, let's talk about some of the hybrids that are out there. there there's quite a, a patch of new hybrids coming out. Talk a little bit about the segment and what's out there. Well, of course, you know, we had that $4 gallon gas thing a little while back, and of course, these are all pretty much, you know, most of the way through the development cycle, but they're rolling out now, and uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, a, a new Prius, and uh, right up against that is a Honda Insight that looks just like the new Prius. Um, and in fact, they're in a big pricing war between those two right absolutely. now. Absolutely. When they first came out, we assumed that the Honda it would be quite a bit cheaper because it's a simpler system and a smaller car and a little less going on there. And then Toyota came down and maybe predatory priced them, uh, you know, and came very close to their, their numbers there too. So yeah, and then uh, the, the Ford Fusion and Mercury Milan, you know, wonderful new hybrid system on, on the Fusion that I've driven. Wonderful, neat driver interface because, you know, with hybrids, a lot of the fun since we really need to say we're, we're going to have trouble saving enough gas to pay for the thing, the driving fun and the experience is maximizing that fuel economy. And whichever car helps you do that the best and has the most engaging user interface is probably going to be you know the most successful. And you're fine. Yeah, you're right. It is about fun. And, and, and even as an enthusiast, I like driving the hybrids to eke out that best fuel economy possible. And I haven't helped anyone following me because I'm <laughs> usually going too slow. Then <laughs> recalibrating your definition of fun a little bit there. But yeah, the the response to the Ford. Um, engage and form system is terrific. It's very cool. The thing I like about the Honda Insight is that it's two kinds of fun. You know, you can drive it for maximum efficiency and eco-friendliness, but you, you can also chuck it around a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, nosedive in that car under braking, and you know we talked about some of the maybe drivability issues, but it's it's a Honda, you know, it has that sporty feel, sporty, sporting. It has a nice chassis, you know, and and you really can't say that about a lot of hybrids, uh, specifically the dedicated hybrid like a Prius. One question I've got though is Honda making any money on this car, you know, because with a price point of about twenty thousand bucks, little over with destination mm -hmm. right. 
with the yen where it is right now, I'm not sure these guys are making any money Their on it. Their system is a lot simpler than the Toyota system. Mm. Yeah, my money's on Honda. Yeah, it's, it's modular. In what way? What's different? Well, it's just a, you know, a pack between the engine and the transmission, mm -hmm. and it's entirely modular, and they can put it in any car. And from that perspective, from a cost perspective, it's probably smarter than the Toyota system. And, you know, uh, Toyota's probably going back to losing money on Prius again. At that well, price point, if they sell any of them, they, they surely are. Right. Well, they announced a new price for the base model, but my understanding is you can't buy that base model, and it's months away from being available. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I think is driving Toyota into that position is uh, Honda rightly figured out that a lot of people who want to buy these hybrids can't afford them. You know, they're younger people with a more progressive view on cars, and, you know, they, they derive enjoyment from getting good mileage out of them. And so the $20,000 price point is kind of magical. Mm -hmm. But, of course, that one does not allow you the fun of silent motoring, unfortunately, you know. And a lot of people love that. And that's one it. of the things with the, with the uh, Fusion is that they can go all the way to, like, I think 42 or 3 miles an hour. I mean, it's no, no, egg I, on the yeah, pedal. And before it lights off. Yeah. No, I think they claim, like, 48 miles an hour. I don't think it's quite I, I've had it up really? to 45. I, I had a Ford Fusion, and it was easily around 40. It was, yeah, 40 is 40 is yeah, right. easy. And it's in the yeah. 30s for the Camry and, and uh, Prius, I believe. Mm -hmm. Or in the Tahoe and, and the... <laughs> yeah, but, way but lower than that. Insight Hybrid's fuel economy is right around Chevrolet and Veo's fuel economy for $7,000 less. If you're, if you're really looking at saving money and saving fuel... But it it's, doesn't it's, look it's, like a hybrid. It doesn't look like a hybrid. And it doesn't give you a report not, card for how well you drove right, at the end of every time you switch it off. <laughs> you don't get the little trophy. No, no, you don't. But if you're really just worried about not, not spending money and saving money on transportation, but that, that longer term it might be one of the issues with the, with the Insight and, and its cost structure and, and with hybrids is it is saving fuel, but is it saving enough fuel? Right. But, yeah, but the, the whole thing is, it's a hybrid, you know, to, I think to Eddie's point, and It'll, people want to buy hybrids, or certain well, amounts of people want to buy hybrids. And, and especially want to buy hybrids that everyone knows is a hybrid. Right. That's right. the trouble with the Civics and Camrys and so forth. Someone's got to squint at a bad or remember the, the wheel design of the hybrids, and this one... I mean, if you, in case you didn't know, it looks just like a Prius, which you certainly know is a hybrid, you know. What is interesting, I think, about these two cars is they are two size classes apart. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the Prius is, what, mid-size? Mid-size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the inside is subcompact. Right. But isn't there uh, an argument between Ford and Toyota? Because Ford's claiming the Fusion Hybrid right. is the best uh, fuel economy of a mid-size car, and Toyota's going, wait a minute, the Prius is a mid-size right. car, too. But it's a... Uh, EPA measurement mid-size car. If and you put I, the two together, the Prius is a smaller car. And I think right. it's decimal. They, they just eked over one and one eked down below because the real life usability is not that far apart. But. What'd you guys get fuel economy wise with the, the Ford Fusion? They rated it 41, but when I drove it, admittedly in the winter time, and that really affects yeah. the fuel economy of a hybrid because you know, you get in, you start it, it's a cold start, it runs the choke. First thing you do is turn on the heat seater, that drags down power. You pull it on the, the, the heater full blast, and maybe the windshield wipers are going if it's snowing or raining. So I, I drove it in the wintertime, I got about, I'm going to say 34, maybe 35 miles to the gallon. I never saw 41. So where'd I, you guys come in? I saw sporadic 41 and overall averaged about 40.9. Well, that's 40.9, that's 41 really, in my book, right. I mean, playing, going through phases. You know, one day I was kind of really checking it out and playing with the, the, with the, the all the 
the messages that it's feeding back to me. And other times I was just, I gotta go somewhere and just driving. So for a mixed range and not, not consistently hypermiling. My colleague Todd Lassa and I did a hypermiling nose to tail drive around Detroit in the winter, like you say, with a, a Nissan Altima hybrid, which is of course very similar to the, the Camry. And uh, the, the, the Fusion did win over the, the, uh, the Altima. I, I, the numbers are left me, but I want to say it was like 39 and 38 or 36 or something like that. It was a little bit of difference there. We got the opposite in, in uh, California, a different cycle, not so much hypermiling. And I think there, the Camry was slightly above the, the Fusion. I'm not sure where that is. And of course, we've talked about this in the past that it's very difficult to measure fuel economy. You know, you could just go with a computer, but no one feels comfortable doing that. And when you're only, you know, driving it for all day and it's 150 miles or whatever, you haven't used a whole tank up and now can you squeeze it to the exact place it was before? It's, it, there's a lot of variability there. And so hard to measure it's really very hard. fuel economy. It, yeah, right. for these. Okay, how about the non-hybrid version of the Ford Fusion or the Mercury Milan? What do you make of those cars? We Perfect. just did a comparison Absolutely. where it was right neck and neck with the, you know, the, the leaders in the class. We had it with the Honda Accord. And an amazing difference for being essentially a minor. I mean, this was a, a mid-cycle enhancement and just but it was a nice one. the refinement, the quality, the vol you know, sound level interior, sound level is way down. Uh, you know, the refinement is way up. Just a, a, an immense improvement on, you know, on, the, on the Fusion. Interiors very very terrific. That's that's one of the bright spots in that in that redesign. The V6 all-wheel drive though, got about 20.9 miles per gallon, <laughs> so about half. Um, but you know, in looking at, at the the V6 all-wheel drive car, it actually had on, on feature content almost everything you'd find in an A4 for notably less money. So if you if you're looking for a cheap A4, a Ford Fusion V6 all-wheel drive might. Yeah, get but you what there. was the sticker on that? It was about there was upper thirty. Yeah, upper thirty. Or, no, I mean, uh, low thirty. I'm sorry. Low the, thirty. Okay. But with the with the equipment level that it had on it, it had been a forty to forty-five thousand dollar A4. So you had mm -hmm. you had enough play time. Four cylinder A4 with it. Yeah, right. Not even. A six. I drove both the Fusion and the uh, the Milan, and I was very impressed. To your point, you know, here's a mid-cycle enhancement. But boy, did they, they got into a lot of nitty gritty details because the car is that just that much better. And it's selling very well right now too. You know, in today's kind of market, right. the Fusion's doing pretty well. Well, that's consistent with the, the Mustang change that we were talking about before too, in that it was mid-cycle and it wasn't full top to bottom, but they did pay a lot of attention to detail and really knocked, knocked the interior out of the park. And that's where Ford needed to do work. And, and they're being consistent across their product line and, and giving that kind of attention to where it needs to be. Yeah, and these days, J.D. Power's top two are wind noise and brake noise. So we're getting yeah. down to the point where those little things are where you want to sweat the details, and, and they're really working that hard over at Ford. Another hybrid out there, uh, Silverado, Chevy Silverado pickup hybrid. Anybody driven that one? Short loop. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same system that we have in the Tahoe, which is a nice, you can, you know, if you drive it very, very carefully, you can step off in full electric mm -hmm. mode. And, you know, the point that GM has made with all of those things all along is, you know, if, you're, if you save 25% on a car that's, all, you know, getting 18, you're saving a whole lot of gas. Right. You save 40% on a car that's getting 30 or 40 or whatever, you know, it's, it's much less global eco-friendliness, you know. So I, I'm into it, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry that they don't have the, uh, the, the contractor, uh, you can get, oh, you yeah, add that, yeah. I guess, but you the don't plug. have the, the power supply like they used the to have on there. Oh, yeah. you can plug yeah. in yeah. power it was, tools. It was very and... Well, 
with the reduced towing capacity of the hybrid system, you can't, you don't have the, the upper end of that. But still, with the pickup truck for just picking stuff up from, you know, Home Depot and Costco, and it does have enough towing capacity to pick up a couple of, you know, jet skis and, and a smaller boat. So you can do quite a lot with that, but it doesn't have that, that upper end. Of, of yeah, you can't tow house trailers, but, no, but most but utility kind of, yeah, I think I, a pop-up camper and stuff like yeah, that, no I, problem. I have a feeling people don't, unless you're really digging into it, don't really think about how much what they're towing really weighs. They just oh, no, kind of no. think, I have to tow a boat. I must need 12,000 pounds towing capacity. Not really true. You can do it in 7,500 pounds or 7,300, which is about what that car, what that truck will give you. But the dirty little secret of hybrids is, other than the Prius, and the Insight probably, up to now the Honda Civic Hybrid, and the Camry. Hybrids really haven't sold that well. I mean, maybe Ford will start to do something with the Fusion now. But so my question is, are real pickup drivers gonna buy a hybrid pickup? This is, <laughs> real pickup drivers probably not. <laughs> it's not cost effective. It's not cost effective. but. You know, on the other hand, there's a whole learning curve with, with hybrids, and we talked about the fact that people like Prius hybrid because it's, it makes a statement. But the more companies and the more vehicles and the more different types of vehicles offer a hybrid system, the less the outside package is going to matter. And it's taking you know, a long time for consumers to learn about it, but that's what happens when you've got product life cycles that are five years long. Um, and so I, I can see down the road some of the more personally used truck buyers that aren't, you know, you're not going to use it for work contracting. But you, you do have some pickup truck providers that it will meet their needs. Yeah, and if you're the boss contractor and you're looking yeah. at a platinum, you know, F-150, and you, you work in a metro area where you're driving around town a lot and stop and go, hey, this thing makes sense, and they don't have quite as many echelons of, of luxury at GM, and maybe they go, hey, I'll, I'll spend the money right. on this, you know, green thing, and maybe my customers will, you know, appreciate that. It's a small percentage of the market. There's, you're more likely to see pickup buyers go to a diesel than you are to a hybrid. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with hybrid sales that four bucks a gallon can't cure. Right. right. <laughs> but then you saw them drop off the off a cliff when, right. when gas went down. Oh, yeah. I mean, 80. Oh, there's no question. You can track hybrid sales to the price of gasoline. Absolutely. And when gas went down, so did the hybrid sales. Yeah, I don't think that obtains for diesel, though. I mean, no. diesel's now as cheap as regular, cheaper. if not cheaper. 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 Ten cents lower. Oh, 16 cents lower. Even even when we had $4 a gallon gas, I mean, according to, to our numbers, we weren't seeing spikes in diesel demand. Diesel demand for passenger cars sits between 6 and 8%. Yeah, but what has it been out change. there? I mean, you've been able to buy a Mercedes, and you've been able to buy a Mercedes. Not a lot of choice. No, not, you need more choices, They're not I asking think. for it. Well, in general, and what well, and actually, I, I, I should think say Volkswagen's actually doing pretty Volkswagen's well with its well. diesels. With that, with that six to eight, six to ten percent demand and consideration level, what that tells me is that you have space for Mercedes, you have space for BMW and for Volkswagen. You don't have space for thirty manufacturers to attack the diesel market. It's very price dependent. Right. Yeah. You know, when you have that TDI system in the Q7, uh, it adds what eleven thousand dollars to the price. The TDI isn't saddled with that, so uh, I think it's very cost-effective. But you know, if if diesel is a dollar more than premium, and you're paying another eleven thousand uh, dollars, 
you know, all, all the gains go Mercedes, away. you know, makes their price difference quite a bit less. I can't believe it pays for it. It's fifteen hundred dollars. It doesn't even come it's close nothing. to paying. Right. Right. And my my only problem there too is, I mean, really, the, the exhaust after treatment is about as exotic as the hybrid right. gear is on a hybrid. And hybrids have had pretty good track record. We got a lot of old Priuses that still work and so forth. We don't have too many old AdBlue systems. And I don't know how much you know. There might be some reluctance to go, I don't know if that's going to be a nightmare down the road. Right. And they've got a lot of things in there to where you can't just defeat it. Go, well, I'm just going to, you know, pinch off the right. hose or, <laughs> no, you know, you're going to park the car then. So, yeah. But, it, but it's been very interesting to see the diesel price just drop off. And it's because, I mean, they're not refining more diesel right. as, as a part of a, a barrel of oil. It's just that shipping demand has dropped off in Europe and driving has gone down and diesel is an industrial fuel absolutely the, the 90 percent of it or probably more than that is so it goes with the economy it doesn't go with summer vacations and so far <laughs> absolutely right. one more hybrid we got to talk about has anybody driven uh, the new Lexus RX and our hybrid. I've driven the the regular RX. Okay, we talked about that. Okay, then we're off. Well, no, we've Are we've driven, driven yeah, the and the uh, well, the, high, the Highlander is essentially the same system, and yeah, I mean, again, it's very much like the all the Toyotas. You know, you can drive around, tool around, in in full silent mode, and and so forth. Uh, you know, not much towing you know, at all with with that one, uh, but but very refined, very very quiet, and you've got all the little. You know, give you the leafs or whatever as you save the gas and whatever, the little positive reinforcement and feedback. They are really quite good at helping you eke the most uh, out, of the, out of the gallon of fuel there. And the regular RX, the non-hybrid version? Hey, it's the best seller. It's, it's sort of the, um, you know, class of the field. And to me, not really that exciting to drive. I'd rather be in a Q5. Uh, but, you know, they nailed it. They nailed the formula. And they've, they've been evolving it and evolving it. And to me, I can't even tell which is the new one, which is the old one, you know? I mean, it's a little, yeah, it, but it doesn't matter. The only thing I'd say is it, it, they have nailed it, and it, but it accounts for 60% of Lexus sales or something like that. At various points, yeah. And That's, to me, that might be Lexus's Achilles heel because the Q5 has got that RX right in yeah. its crosshairs. And if, so you know, like BMW, Mercedes, yeah. uh, Audi all start piling yeah. on. Right. Look how Cadillac switched strategy going mm -hmm. from a three-row to a two-row right. for SRX. Right, and the SRX, in my book, looks pretty good. It, it could take some sales out of the RX. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, especially with people, is a little bit vulnerable there. Especially with people wanting to buy American and now having a real solid choice in that, that category aside from MKX. Which is also popular. With, and it looks like strong powertrains in that Cadillac. You've right. got your three-liter direct injection V6 and a 2.8 turbo, uh, both of which just sound like you know they would be good gas mileage cars. And of course, it's very easy to put a, a hybrid in there too. You've got it in the, right. the view, and the same right. general system could be right. adapted. So, well, they've announced the view hybrid's not going away. It's just going to another brand. Right. And to me, that would be the easiest think, yes. one to plug it into. It's the only the one you can get your money out of, maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about uh, on the, the luxury side of things then? Mercedes has got a, a new E-Class and a GLK. Uh, who's been in any It just of that? drove the E-Class and uh, a really, really refined sort of vehicle. You know, um, I'm a big fan of, of the 124 series uh, that came out in 86 in this country. And uh, styling-wise, at least on the interior, there's kind of a move back to that angularity and it's like very, very, uh, you know, uh, not swoopy, it's kind of that old, 
mellow, respectable Mercedes kind of thing going on the inside. Uh, it, it does seem like the control feel is a lot lighter in that car than, uh, than previous. It feels more luxurious. It feels less of a, a pure sports sedan, and, and I, I guess those things never were sports sedans, and you will get an E63 version uh, here next year. But, um, you know, it, it seems like it's going after that sort of Lexus feel. And have you driven the coupe too? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of an interesting looking car. It certainly preserves the, you know, B pillarless open windows, et cetera. Uh, I haven't driven it yet, but it, it looks, you know, promising. They look sensational. I think they're, they're going to be home runs. Uh, and, you know, they're a little bit bigger, they're a little bit uh, more refined, and just it, continuing with that sort of E class. Uh, feel and getting closer to the luxury part of the market. My understanding is the E-Class is Mercedes' most profitable car. When you, when you factor in the volume, that that is the most important one. So that bodes well for them when they're most important cars. It's a really interesting car. And you look in Europe and all the taxi cabs are E-Class. Right. This is a very, very wide range of use. And uh, this one feels very, very suited to the American market. And I'm sure that was a, a, a conscious decision uh, to to really reestablish it as kind of the luxury king. But, you know, if you look at how the E-Class or the mid-sized Mercedes started out, it was never a luxury car. It was a beautifully engineered premium car, but it was not, it wasn't marketed like that. You know, it was a rich guy's car, but they bought it not for the sake of luxury, but for the sake of its, uh, you know, longevity and its brilliant engineering. Mm -hmm. How about the GLK? Anybody uh, been in that? Yeah, interesting car. I mean, there they tried to really put the look of, you know, the, the, the big Gelendewagen kind of thing on this sort of small car. It doesn't really look like too much of anything else. Very interesting. Little, a little bit small on the back seat. Uh, you know, that one I don't think moves. And so you're, you know, it's definitely a more compact, but you have a very a big sense of, you know, upright greenhouse and terrific visibility out of it and, and so forth. And, um, you know, again, I don't think it was either of our colleagues uh, asking for less control feel in any Mercedes. Right. You do have a little bit of that, you know, the steering isn't quite as precise as maybe the, the Audi and certainly the BMW X3. Um, but, is that you know, tuned for the American market, do you think, no. that way? That's I just how don't they'll think, I think they don't have it in them to have that, all that road feel in any of the cars, you know. So, have you been in uh, the MLK or any? I've been in the GLK, no. Okay, and pretty people off road too. I mean, they actually. I went to the launch and uh, was able to go over stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think a small car like that would. Might so. be the best in that category off road. Yeah, I wonder but if it's a Land Rover LR2 would would okay. probably yeah. take yeah. issue with yeah. that. Yeah. But you're right. But, but uh, I don't see the purpose of having so much off-road capability that yeah. will never, well, ever, never get used. That's part of the reason for spending the extra bucks for the car. I don't even know if that perceived performance is important to those guys, those buyers anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody drives their Porsche, you know, 180 miles an hour either. Yeah. They like to know it goes that fast. That's yeah. true. That's true. How about the 7 Series, Eddie? Oh, this is a remarkable car. I mean, it's uh, it drives so well. It, it it hides its mass so beautifully. Again, it's got that the crazy face, which has taken me a while to warm up to. But I think uh, the... The iDrive is much, much better. The car is uh, so light on its feet for how heavy it is. I love that, that uh, twin turbo 4.4 liter V8. I think it's just a, a brilliant car. I love it. 
One more luxury vehicle on the list here. Eddie, what do you think about the Volvo XC60? I really like this vehicle. You know, uh, it's, it's entertaining. It's got that turbocharged uh, six. I think it's 281 horsepower. It really goes. It's, uh, it's kind of un-Volvo-like in that way. And uh, I'm a Volvo fan, so. It drives nicely. My favorite, one of my favorite things about it is its size, and I like Volvo interiors. And the styling is, is a standout. I mean, that's one of the things Volvo has really gotten right lately. It does, that greenhouse has a tendency to uh, kind of shrink the visibility out of the back seat. If you've got little kids in uh, car seats, they may be, not have a view out, but. Uh, but does it look sport utility enough, or does it look too wagony? No, it's no, an SUV. It's definitely it's SUV. SUV or and of course, they are introducing the city safety with that. I think it'll right. come to a stop if something you know, is in front of you. Well, we've almost gotten to every vehicle on this list, but we're going to have to wrap it up here. So Frank Marcus with Motor Trend, thank you so much for coming in. Eddie Alterman with Car and Driver. Stephanie Brindley with Auto Pacific. Thank you all for being here, and I will be back with some closing thoughts right after this. Thanks for tuning in to today's show about the new products that have come out so far this year. And if you need more than a weekly dose of industry information, check out AutolineDaily.com. It's a six-minute daily webcast of what's going on in the global automotive industry. And then on Thursday nights at 7 p.m., it's time for AutoLine After Hours, the first live webcast dedicated to the automotive industry. My co-hosts for that show are Peter DeLorenzo, the publisher of AutoExtremist.com, and Jason Vines, longtime public relations executive, who both bring a lot of experience to the discussion. But that wraps up this show. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.